0: Welcome to the Disrupt Education Podcast. I'm Peter Hostraser, your host. Hey, if you get a chance, hit that subscribe button. Give me a thumbs up if you like the conversation and leave a comment or even a rating. I'd love to hear your feedback on what we're doing here around disrupting education. If you get a chance, head over to disrupteducation.co or peterhostraser.com. You can see my blog, what I'm doing these days, um, and everything else around education reform. Also, if you're looking to level up, to check out a new way of education, head over to Hall Pass Education, getahallpass.com. You're going to find a way to amplify your learning, to engineer your career, and to repurpose your life. There's a gap year program and a transition program for you. This is not your father's gap year program. Check out getahallpass.com. On today's podcast we have a ghost writer jody aberdeen jody captures your story on the page in your authentic voice so you can share it with the world but today he's going to share his story his journey through education and give some advice to young creatives who are writers and artists out there stay tuned right after the break we go talk with jody aberdeen Have you ever thought about creating courses and training online? Without a partner to guide you through that process, you're going to be stressed about why your learners aren't engaged or how to create updated content, missing revenue opportunities and not even having enough time. I know because I create online courses. And I have a solution for you, eLearning Partners. You don't have to be overwhelmed anymore. Become a partner with eLearning Partners to create your courses and training stress-free and achieve the results you want to see if you are thinking about wanting to create a course or training online and you believe like i believe that no expertise should go unheard then click the e-learning partners link in the notes of this podcast and you can start your journey to create your courses and training stress-free if you want all that and more from the e-learning partners hit the link in the podcast notes because there's a free masterclass for you to take that's right a free masterclass. hit that link today The Disrupt Education vlog can be found on YouTube. To hear it in podcast form, search Disrupt Education on any of the following podcast platforms. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Spotify, or Stitcher. Welcome to this episode of Disrupt Education. I have Jody Aberdeen here with us. Welcome. And thank you so much for being here with us, Jody. It's a pleasure, Peter. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, I'd love to have guests give uh, kind of an introduction to who they are and what they do. So you have center stage on that.
1: So, uh, OK, so my name is Jody Aberdeen. I am a professional ghoster and fiction author and ghostwriting is where I make the money and how would how it came about, what I do basically is this, right? If you are somebody who's looking to write a book who needs some blogs written for you, but when you sit down to do it, you realize I don't have time. I don't know how to do this. Or frankly, I don't have the patience to do it myself. And I wish someone would do it for me. You hire me to do it for you. I'm that guy (laughs) by definition. And the idea why it's called Ghostwriter is that I'm usually hidden from the project. So it works well if you're a big name politician business leader celebrity that's why they tend to hire ghostwriters. if you've ever worked, if you've ever wondered how that two-term congressperson or that uh that that very busy reality tv star slash ceo is able to write four books in the, in the year while doing everything else it's usually because they've hired somebody like me
2: <laughs>
1: so that this profession came about as the result of many life experiences of which my schooling was only a relatively small part. And it's in terms of education and life learning, it's been really just what everything has been leading to for me in a strange and wonderful way.
0: So let's let's dig into that a little bit. You have an interesting career path. We spoke before about it. And it there wasn't like, hey, here's a ghost writing bachelor's degree. What did your uh, what did your uh, education path look like, and how did it kind of lead you through that windy path to where you are now? Oh wow. Well, um, so <laughs> I grew up in just outside
1: of Toronto, Canada, and. I was in, so first I went to, you know, public school like anybody else, but I think a key difference was we have in, in Canada, we're bilingual English and French. And so I went into the French immersion stream of school, starting from kindergarten all the way to, you know, you know, the eighth grade where, um, your primary lessons and from everything in mathematics, science, even just, you know, as well as just language and reading is in French. So you have, I, I, being bilingual, I think gives you a, Every kid should be fluent in a different language, I think, because it does change how you think. It does expand your ability to think beyond your own context because language really shapes your perception of reality. And not that I knew any of this when I was six years old, of course, right? But it, it, was, it was something impactful. It really did uh, shape that. Um, but one of the consequences of that was I was bullied in that French immersion stream. Um, to the point where by the eighth grade, I had no friends and there were times where I couldn't go out to recess. I didn't even go to my, um, eighth grade graduation ceremony either. Cause I was like, why am I saying goodbye to these kids? I hated them. Right. Wow. So, um, my, yeah. So because of the bullying, my parents transferred me to the regular stream, which is just regular high school, English language. And it was at that high school that I had a lot of different life experiences there. I um, realized I was was proficient in writing and history more than I was in math. I mean, I knew that already, but I got Mm -hmm. to see that. Um, I fell in love with somebody, a woman who, a girl who would become my wife later on. And uh, we'd have a lot of time before that. And strangely enough, I followed her to the university where I ended up studying later. Um, But I had the experiences of being in the high school musical of uh, at one point being on a robotics team, writing for, uh, we didn't have a, we didn't have a student newsletter or anything, but uh, I did some creative writing for different projects and uh, really got to be known, made some friends. I had, uh, again, going to this education path, right? I got, I had decent grades in a fairly wide variety of classes. I I was, uh, oh yeah, that's right. I, for, I can't believe I forgot this. I was one of the editors of that and um my final grade, oddly enough, that was my low grade for my final year. Which it was a C because I started skipping class when I met the <laughs> right? So um, high school, I, I think I'm grateful for the high school experience I had because it was very full. We did have, we, it was an interesting time there too, because it was a time when I started in the ninth grade. The high school was, we had pep rally. We had uh, cheerleaders and people showed up for the football games. Can you hear me? Okay, I think we're lagging a bit. Yep, a little lag, but we're good. So, okay, okay, perfect. Yeah, Um, there was school spirit when I started in the ninth grade, and something happened in the community that by the time I finished, we'd had a couple, we'd had um, security cameras installed in the hallways and for all of the to monitor drugs, to monitor fights. and intruders, and we even had a police takedown with guns right in front of the school. So something happened in that time where the school spirit and the community was really lost. Um, But I got to experience it back when it was good. And I think that really seeing the contrast over time kind of really gave me a sense of entropy (laughs) and uh, having having to manage change. Now that was in the 90s too, so that was prior to all of this craziness. And uh, I think that too was educational. Um, went to McMaster University right in my current hometown um, in uh, Hamilton, Ontario. Got a degree of history in history and English, minored in political science, wrote the student paper, was active in the type of politics that um, I'm no longer in favor of for a while. <laughs> and I um, joined a fraternity where I met made, I made my lifelong friends in that fraternity. They're, I'm still on the advisory board for them. We were kind of the... Among the tropes of Greek life, we were the geeks, we were the guys playing Dungeons and Dragons and really just wanting to just have friends, right, for more than anything. But nobody had a trust fund, for example. <laughs> nobody was like that. Um, so we're, we're, pretty good. we're a pretty good uh, group of genuine guys, that even if we didn't really get attention much. And I served in the fraternity chapter as president, which gave me some leadership abilities. And all through this, I was working. I got a, uh, Walmart had come to Canada in the 1990s and the distribution center had opened up in my, in, you know, in, in my hometown then of Brampton, that's where my family lived. My dad got a job there and he gave me the opportunity to become a temp, which I then in the warehouse, which I then transitioned into a, a full-time position. I applied internally and got a job in the dispatch desk on weekends and, uh, taking care of holidays. So I got to pay my way through, uh, through university working summers, working weekends. And so I, I was very lucky uh, that I graduated with no student debt. And being able to work at the same time that I was studying, yeah, did I lose out on crazy weekend parties? Of course, right? Did I lose out on um, going on reading week trips, right, like, like spring break trips? I did, right? Um, but, you know, it, I think the, I would have taken spring break. I, I won't lie to you. I, <laughs> Kind of wish I had,
0: hmm.
1: but uh, from what I did get, it did inform my adult life, I think, more than uh, more than just a, a, a spring, you know, a few weekends or crazy weekends would have done anyway. Uh, besides, I got those crazy weekends after I graduated anyway. So it was <laughs> okay. Same group of friends. Hmm. And so um, going to school, and this is uh, if anybody who's in high school and university is listening now, you know already, this generation knows. That just having an undergraduate degree may give you a lot of privileges and advantages, but it's not considered a shoe in There's a lot of doctorate, you know, degree holders who are worse. for example. It's just how it goes, right? Mm -hmm. But I was part of a generation that was raised to think that uh, this is a, I graduated in 2004. And I was part of a generation that was raised to think that just by having the bachelor's degree, you could write your own ticket in life. But we ran, and so as a result, we were one of the first to run smack dab into the realities of the economy. Mm-hmm. Because by that point, all, a lot of people in Canada, anyway, a lot of our education subsidized, so you don't pay as much in tuition. So you have a lot more um, university grads here, which means that if you want to get a job here, um, just having the BA is not enough. Um, mm-hmm. Frequently, a master's used to get you what a BA, you know, used to a master's gets you what a BA used to get you. Yeah. It also didn't help that I didn't really have a career path. I went to school because I had to. Everyone right. said you got to. My parents said you got to get a degree, you got to, you got to, you got to do this. But I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And through my my twenties, was really a time of like after graduating was a time of discovery. I worked every job you can imagine. In addition to my logistics job or my uh, my warehousing job, I did. I at one point I was. I did. I worked a stint as a as like a, a a sales guy at a sleazy timeshare for like three months. <laughs> I ended up working at a bookstore at one point, just selling books. Right. I did work at Starbucks briefly, but that was much later on. Um, I was. Uh, I frequently did a lot of uh, call center work. There's a lot of that in the in the greater Toronto area. Um, so I did. Um, at one point, that ended up as being a job for. The premium cards for uh, American Express, working as their concierge uh, uh, over in Burlington, but, and that—that was—I uh, think that was a defining moment because then I started to realize what I was missing in life. Because you're only talking to the rich people, and you're 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 arranging their flower deliveries, you're arranging their dates and restaurant reservations at like Michelin starred places, and uh, their travel, their, their their trips to Greece. And to Southeast Asia and to parts of Africa, you're arranging all these things for them as a concierge on the phone. as just part of the, and just by virtue of the fact that they have money to spend on these cards, right? They have that money. I once spent $20,000 charged to this one guy's card for one night out in Vegas. Wow. And I went home, I went home after collecting my, my pay stub for my $14 an hour job to an apartment that I was renting thinking, man, I'm missing out. <laughs> um but all these experiences cumulatively were part of that uh that effort to figure out what i wanted to do in life so it it was good um it it gives you that dimension i, I read somewhere that there's four elements as as part of my training I, I take a lot of freelancing courses to kind of better my business right mm-hmm. one of them says that your superpower is defined as follows. So, it's the skill that you're good at, right? The, the nominal skill that everyone nominally hires you for, right? So, as a, you know, you, you're great at writing. But what sets you apart as a writer is um, what happened to you in your life? So, these can be personal traumas, these can be personal victories, the experiences that you've had that no one else has had, um, or that even many people have had but that never experienced it quite like you your work experience where you learned lateral skills that you could take with you from one place to another. Um, so you get to have a cross-pollination of different ideas and different approaches. So it, gives, it makes you more creative. And, um, and finally, just your own goals and dreams where um, based on where you say you want to go, you're taking this action, that action, this, you're reading this book, you're talking to this person, you're in this community, and you combine all those together to get rips really your superpower, which means that when you hire me as your, your ghostwriter, you're getting something very unique versus what you would get hiring a different ghostwriter who's ostensibly doing the same work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, that really is the summary of what we're talking about. Is just a summary of education itself, a holistic view of it.
0: I think so one of I, yeah one of one of the things that is very unique and we've had that conversation uh a week ago talking about those four things and I really like that that's very um it is unique and it is also something that um is very transferable even beyond um the even beyond the the way that we look at education right now, I, I feel like you can almost build a school off of those four items. Um, not you know, it doesn't. I don't think it has to be just a, a writer uh, or somebody in your case where you're taking. You're actually learning about people and also then telling the story. So there's a lot of uh, empathy and other things in there, right? So, um, so with that being said. Um, how did, how, did you, how did you start to learn those four quadrants on your own and do the things that, um, you know, you are actually, you, you took the first actionable steps to teaching yourself beyond the college degree. What did that look like? The, the learning process wasn't deliberate. It was really,
1: this is the unfortunate thing I think I find. So part of my background is that at some point during all this, I became, I was always driven by personal development whether in the form of books or coaches or that's whole self-help thing, even if I didn't know that's what it was called at the time. So I was reading that since I was a teenager into those types of books, like self-esteem, uh, Prophecy, Conversations with God, uh, just uh, Think and Grow Rich, How to Win Friends, Influence People. Um, and that all kind of fed into it. So at one point I found myself in a, in, in a lot of coaching programs where one of the interesting things that we learned was just how much of your life can't be planned. The learning is really just a series of, well, to some degree, everybody is throwing something on the wall to see what sticks, and then retroactively calling that um, a technique. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And then they say, well, here, I'm going to take this technique that worked for me, And we're going to, I'm going to sell it to you and we're going to project it forward into your own goals and maybe it'll work and maybe it won't. So I thought of that when you just asked that question, my learning wasn't very deliberate, but what I did know was that something had to change. That's where it started. Hmm. I was in debt, I was not where I wanted to be um at some point you know my you know my high school sweetheart and i we we split we got divorced and um now it's like well now i have to i I always had this relationship in place and was figuring out my work and now that i'm kind of close to figuring out my work now that that's out of place so it's like life uh, kind of throws things at you and um when it became clear that if i'm gonna have any type of life that i would be happy to live and to feel like i'm not losing out on experiences, I need to make some changes. And it was very intuitive how I came about that, uh, combined with any teacher or mentor that I had at the time who could offer me some advice. Um, and a lot of the times those teachers came in the form of books or movies, so a lot of the times in fictional characters. And that's again part of that whole lateral thinking of uh, just drawing from drawing knowledge and drawing wisdom from different sources. Um, I was listening to, um, I think his name is Bernie Siegel, uh, Dr. Bernie Siegel on another podcast uh, a while ago. And he said that if you want the truth, read a fiction book. And mm-hmm. it's because a lot of the times the authors have poured in a lot of their own experiences into it. So you can take some of their lessons as um, as as a metaphor or as a, I'm not, I'm, the word escapes me at this point, but it's, uh, it's like a, an analog of your own life, right? And what you can learn from there is why fiction writing is so good. It's why when I work with professional ghostwriters, uh, sorry, not ghostwriters, but with clients who hire me as a ghostwriter, and they want to write the same templated self-help book that you've seen everywhere, <laughs> right? I tell them, do you want to really stand out? Or are you just looking for a stream of income, right? Something you could spin off into a course or to get you, or to get you some high-paying keynote gigs. Because it'll do that if you, if you know how to market it. But if you really want to stand out in your content, you got to tell your story and i almost i tell them it's like pick some anecdotes from your life that almost everybody can relate to Hmm. um and uh that's really i was looking for and the reason i say that that they should do that is because that's what i was looking for and i'm not alone i mean i know i'm not everybody but i think it's there's a there's a reason why for example um so one of my jobs recently was in the nonprofit industry i was i think you and i talked about it i was a facilitator Mm -hmm. and job developer for um, a a group that teaches youth with differing differing abilities who have barriers to employment, how to find and keep jobs, right? Right. And we would have a movie every week. And I think there's a reason why something like the pursuit of happiness resonates so strongly with people who are hustling. All the kids had seen it, right? All the young people had seen it. (laughs) um, They were all too happy to see it again because – they were out there trying to make money. A lot of them came from poverty. A lot of them were, they they experienced bullying in school because of their disabilities. They really felt that, uh, and and on top of that, the unintended consequence of being cared for and receiving special help is that it can sometimes lead you to think that you're more helpless than you are.
0: Mm.
1: Right, and so you have to balance these delicate things. And um, there's a reason why we look to inspirational stories because we see ourselves in their struggles, right? And um, that's what I tell people. And so for me, that's what a lot of what I spent my time doing. So I was trying to tell myself, let me start again, actually. I was trying to tell a different story about my life and being open to be, you know different ways of learning was key to that, not just relying on my degree. Um, I want to touch on something too. Um, there's a so I'm, I'm an immigrant, by technicality.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What I mean by that is I was born in Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean, and my family migrated here when I was still a kid. I was still like six months old, just a baby, but I was I grew up here. So I have this strange complex of not quite belonging anywhere because, mm-hmm. um, by virtue of my personality, I'm as Canadian as you can get, <laughs> but my ancestry does technically mean that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in a different value system a lot of the time growing up and growing up in, the, in, the, in um, the British colonies anyway, the former British colonies, education and going to school and having that was very prestigious and you needed to do that. So when I start telling my parents, for example, that I'm learning by going to a painting class, right? i'm learning business i'm learning i'm learning some some mindset work by going to a painting class they don't quite get it when i tell them that uh, i'm getting an exam i'm writing a story an inspirational biography for somebody who's also going to tell people how to get relationships right they think okay well what qualifications does this have right in this class right so that's the that's the type of thing right of just really finding different ways to, to find education
0: Coming up after the break, Jody goes into what he would do if he was a writer in high school. You want to stay tuned to hear his advice here. We'll be back right after these words. I recently asked Jake, who is a sophomore in high school, why he uses View to share his learning journey.
2: Um, I think it's really cool that you know View is really putting that abstract into con- concrete data and knowledge and then displaying that to the outside world. And I think View is different than anything else out there. Uh, like I said before, because it's really taking that, you know, the, that those abstract skill sets and those abstract experiences and putting them into data that, you know, is actually mathematic and scientific and, um, you know, that matches you up with the best programs and Um, You know, best places for you, people, um, you know, who are really trying to make those changes in the world, and they're going to be using SpikeView because SpikeView is that app where you can, you know, take take those experiences and take those passions and put them out there uh, and share with other people, and that's you know, that's really powerful. And that you know, that professional networking piece, um, you know, to be with other like-minded teenagers, that puts you ahead. That puts you ahead in a lot of ways. And so, um, you know, I think anyone who uses SpikeView right now has a leg up in the future. And excited to see, you know, where those Spikeview alumni head up.
0: Head to Spikeview.com. Start your portfolio now for free. Do you feel like there there has to be a pain point in um, education? Um, There has to be, uh, or is that optional? Um, Have you seen some of the stories that you've written for uh, these, uh, you know, I, I would imagine they're pretty successful? Uh, anybody who didn't have a pain point when it became a, a big pivot slash learning moment in their life? Honestly, no. I want to be able to say that you're going to be happy,
1: that nothing bad is going to happen to you, and you're going to make a conscious decision to change your life anyway. But I that has not been my experience in my life, and it's not been the experience of my clients. Everybody has had has got some something in their ledger that they look back on and it makes their, their heartache. And they're also simultaneously grateful for that now because right. if they, if that didn't happen, they wouldn't have become where they are today. Um, there's, a, there's one of those cheesy bumper sticker memes uh, <laughs> going around that says uh, it's a note from the universe that says, if I didn't hurt you, if I didn't make you uncomfortable, you never would have moved. Hmm. And as much as that's a nice uh, as much as that's a that's seemingly a a nice sounding platitude, it's still very true. It's no less true. Right. Just because we're just because we're used to these inspirational memes by now. It's very much the case that every entrepreneur has got heartbreak. Everyone has got loss. Everyone, whether that's a that's a missed opportunity, whether that's somebody passing away who's very important to you whether that's losing your job, um, losing your house, everyone who's got anything worth a darn to say um, has had that on their ledger. And that's really the case. That's the school of hard knocks to some degree. Mm -hmm. We talked about that a bit. I I think it's interesting In, in the personal growth field. There's a lot of people who will, you make a lot of friends when you go to seminars, not, not during COVID, obviously, but uh, sure. prior to all of it, right? I went to seminars from like, I was on a kick uh, for seminars from like 2013 to like 2016, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the, the interesting thing about that is that you get, you meet, you, you, you friend a lot of people on Facebook. And then a lot of the time, you, and it's good because you meet a cross section of different people from different parts of society. And so you meet people from different educational backgrounds. There's a lot of people who have School of Hard Knocks on their Facebook profiles as education, Hmm. and I'm like, first, this has got to be the biggest school in the country that nobody's ever, you know, (laughs) how do you get to to it, right? Um, And uh, you know, so they talk about that, and it's like they've got, like, I talked to one guy. We didn't end up working together, but he ended up going with somebody else. But his story was really just just stood out to me. He was the muscle for some organized criminals and he would, he would beat people up. He would chase them down. People owed them money and stuff like that. Right. And Mm -hmm. involved in drugs and things until he got caught one day or he almost, he almost died, I think at the hands of the police. And he's like, you know, in the middle of a bust or something. He's just like, you know what? He went to jail. He's a, he's a criminal. And he realized in jail, he had to change his ways otherwise, because he had a daughter on the outside and it was like all these things, his temper and his, uh, is that thrill of doing what he knew how to do because it was the only thing he knew how to do all of that had to change and so now he's uh he he leads meditation circles he you know he found spirituality he does virtual streaming events he goes out and feeds the hungry all the time he organizes groups to do food drives and um he makes his money doing music and it's it's amazing some of these things that you that you hear all of which for him was rooted in childhood trauma mm. And, yeah, so, like, uh, that's that's really the thing. Everybody's got something like that. And, yeah, uh, I hope that answers your question. I got yeah. a few people. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I've, I haven't met anybody. There's a, there's a trope of the 25-year-old life coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I know you've seen them. We've seen them on Instagram all the time. Now, if they've trained in a modality, I can understand that. If you went to Jack Hanfield School and you learned, a, you learned again, that, that kind of retconned um, technique, right, Right. It, I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm joking about them because my bias is that I, I usually I'm very I've done coaching for other people in that personal growth setting um, as a volunteer and sometimes and I do writing coaching as well creative coaching because a lot of the time the reason why you can't write your book isn't the book right it's because you're touching on a subject that makes you there's a <clears throat> there's something that happened to you that compromised your self-expression mm-hmm. um, and we need to get in. Me telling you about grammar and sentence structure is not going to unlock that. We have to get into your life, right? (laughs) So that's so I've done coaching as you know. So I have I can say this with experience is that um, if you have a modality, then it works. But my preference is to be with you, right? Mm, To to tailor every single lesson, every single session with you, and um, basically riff. You know, it's, it, this is the thing I don't get. If you see somebody doing paint-by-numbers coaching, um, th- and I know this is a tangent, but I want to touch on this, right? It's mm-hmm. not bad if you believe in the system, but what tends to happen is when you do paint-by-numbers prescriptive coaching, and whether it's writing or relationships or health or anything like that, and then the person doesn't get the results, your first inclination is to think, well, it's your fault you didn't do it properly. <laughs> Never question the methodology right so that's why i don't do that i I get into the i sit with the person this is what i do as a ghostwriter too i i hold space for you to show up as you however you want to be and if i identify at some point in that conversation the thing that's blocking you i'm not even going to tell you i'm going to ask in a roundabout sort of way a series of questions that will let you get it And that's the most powerful thing. It's like the movie Inception. If I try to plant an idea in your head, it's not going to stick, but if it's self-generated, then it's more likely to carry through. And um, there's there's a great deal of wisdom in that. I don't know if Chris Nolan studied this. He's a very smart guy. I'm sure he did at some point, but that's really the case. And so, um, yeah, no, I haven't met anybody in my client list who, has, um, who hasn't had trauma, and that's what led them to changing their ways.
0: There's a lot to learn in the way that you ask the right questions and, and let people figure it out for themselves, yet kind of lead them to their with with the right questions. It's a humanistic approach, and, and that's what I'm hearing um, a lot across the board uh, in education. I, I think it's fantastic. I think it's fantastic of what you do. Um, I'm I know we have a lot of listeners that are very interested I was curious when we met like what is this like Mm -hmm. this is interesting Mm -hmm. Um, my final question uh, before I share your uh, all your connect um, and where people can find you is Mm -hmm. if if you could go back or if you see a 15 16 17 year old person who is a creative and a creative writer. I know many, many creative writers in, in you know the secondary education system. And. What would you tell them, because um, a lot of them are lost or like, I just like to creatively output my own stuff, but there's not really a good link in their mind to a profession or something that they can go further with that. So the question is what would you what would you tell a, a creative writer is 15 16 17 years old.
1: The first thing I would tell them is you should discard society's expectation that you need to you need to succeed at writing by the time you're 25. <laughs> That's a very romanticized. It does happen, right? I uh, one of my favorite books was uh, Aragon by Christopher Paolini who wrote that when he was a teenager. The the guy's a prodigy. Mm-hmm. but he's not the he's not the avatar of most writers out there there's a reason why it's not because of it's, it, it's 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 due to a lot of factors i'm sure but there's a reason why some of the best authors you've seen are in their 40s sometimes in their 50s is because you've had life under your belt it's a it goes back to the 25 year old life coach thing how much mm-hmm. experience do you have really that you can that you can reasonably give something to me so as a writer as a young writer i would say be patient Know that with time and application, things will get better. So I'll I'll cop to this. So I've I've taken karate lessons as a grown-up. Mm-hmm. And my sensei had said that the key to success in karate, as with anything, is just time and application. It's, he, he likens it to the, his metaphor that he used was the Shawshank Redemption, where Tim Robbins got out after 20 years by simply, because he's a geologist. He understands that in order to dig his way out of a prison, he doesn't need to get out there right away. But all he needs is uh, application, digging a little bit every day, and time, which he had all the time in the world being locked up in Shawshank. And the same thing with writing. So know that your skill is only going to get better if you keep writing. That's the first thing. Second thing, Mm. in terms of your career track, if you want something more pragmatic and now, understand that an industrial society tends to devalue what you do because you're not making things, you're not building computers, you're not healing the sick in a hospital. You're not a lawyer, you know, helping to defend people or to prosecute cases. You're not a police officer. You're not in the military. It tends to diminish what you do because it's creative. And we have that image of beatniks or, you know, just the deadbeat writer kind of perpetually behind on their rent, working as a barista, right? And those do exist too. Because they don't appreciate your ability to communicate, you may think that you don't have something worth doing, but understand this, there is a tech ceo right now who can probably has probably made like millions of dollars off of some new app that that he or she did right but they can't string together three sentences to talk about it in a way <laughs> that is communicable to the general public so you need to talk to them they they need somebody like you so the key is to not look to all uh, to other writers obviously look to them if you want to learn mentor with with a few of them right but don't. But try not to, you know, make the mistake of thinking that you need to be in the writing quote industry. Talk to people in different industries, who may not be able to do what you do. Like there's pe- people who can do math. For me, amaze me, <laughs> right? I, I was. I I think I would be diagnosed with a math disorder, like a math disability today, if I was in school today. I just I have a block, and math people say that it's absolutely amazing when I do something as simple as post some reflection piece on Instagram. I can never come up with those words and so <laughs> understand that there's somebody out there who values what you do. Even if your parents don't, even if your teachers are trying to push you to an academic track or think that you need to go into the trades, you've, if you're a writer and this is what you want to do, what you do is valuable to somebody else in the marketplace. And in terms of getting an education for that, I would say right now is a good time for you to volunteer your writing, build your portfolio early, mm. go write for the student paper, Submit articles for your local community newspaper if you can. Blog right now. I'm not just talking reflection pieces, although that's good practice. Find some business that needs, where you, you're reading this website and thinking, God, I can really, man, that's not really written very well. And offer to write for them. Get practice. And here's the other thing. Get hurt. Get rejected. I. It sucks. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and tell you that you're going to like it. I'm 40 years old. If I pitch something, and I've written for some local publications, when I pitch something that I really care about and they turn me down, it sucks if I'm, if I, if my heart's in it, but heartbreak is part of the process and it's going to suck when you go through it, surround yourself with people who can pick you up and say, yeah, that was awful. Come on, let's go ahead. Let's go get a drink. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and just really apply yourself now, do it now, build up as much as you can now. and, you'll be in a much better position later. That's that's sort of my kind of retconning it. And fundamentally, just be open.
0: Wonderful, wonderful advice. Um, You hear it over and over again. And um, thank you so much uh, for sharing that. Jody, I want to give you an opportunity. Where can people find you? How can people connect with you?
1: Okay, so I'll, I'll give you a warning first, everybody doing this. I'm not very branded. I'm very much me when you see me. So that means do I post certain things that people may disagree with sometimes? Yes. Am I always curated? No. Am I sometimes raw? Yes. But um, if you're okay with that, you can follow me on Instagram at Jody Aberdeen, right? J-O-D-Y-A-B-E-R-D-E-N, all one word. You can find my website, uh, JodyAberdeen.com. Um, you can sort of follow me for my never-ending retweets on Twitter. Again, see, actually, this is consistent branding. It's all my name, Jody Aberdeen, on Twitter. <laughs> And, um, honestly, these days, if you have a real professional interest in ghostwriting, find me on LinkedIn. Again, you can't miss me. Jody Aberdeen.
0: Awesome. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, uh, your journey, your story and your advice. Uh, really appreciate you being here on disrupt education. Thank you for having me, Peter. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. Hit that subscribe button. Give a nice, uh, Nice five star here this is a great conversation we had today and there'll be many more. We'll see you next time.